and welcome to the Amy Talking Health and Wellbeing podcast. My name is Dave Middleton. I am chair of the Association of Medical Insurers and Intermediaries, or Amy for short. Amy is a health and wellbeing association with over 130 members, including all leading medical insurers and intermediaries. Our aim is to be the voice of the health and wellbeing industry. Today's subject is the future use of technology in the health and wellbeing space, which is something that will touch each and every one of us in the future. I'm delighted to be joined today by Ian McMillan, Director of Distribution at Bupa, who has over 20 years' experience in our industry. Ian, welcome. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure to be here. So, Ian, in the past few years, we've tested at home in the pandemic, had video GP appointments and seen wearable technology provide data on our day-to-day activities and health. What's next and where do you think we're heading? Yeah, that's a, a good question. And I think it's one of those how long is a, a piece of string questions in as much as we're only limited by our own imaginations as to where things will go next. But I was reading a, a quite a fascinating article uh, recently in The Economist, which was set in the future. And it was written as if it was 2028 and, and talking about some of the technology that's available by that time on your your smartphone, which was incredible. And talking about sensors that, that measure heart activity, blood pressure, body temperature, levels of oxygen, sugar, even alcohol in, in your blood, and then things that, that give it the ability to spot fevers and uh, irregular heart rhythms and early signs of dementia. So I think when we talk about digital and technology, it's, it's combined inextricably with with the use of data and and the more that uh, healthcare professionals and and these big technology companies build up data uh, on everything the more advances we're going to see in digital and technology so you mentioned sensors on, on phones do you see phones or wearable technology kind of providing reports that go to you guys at Booper or, or your GP, and then kind of how do you see that panning out? I think that's only a matter of time, quite honestly. And it's, it's uh, uh, I'm, I'm not an expert in app development, but but I would imagine that that type of thing is is just round the corner. I think there's there's been a vision for quite a few years of ongoing monitoring by your wearable, which will send uh, reports and and possibly even red flags to either your GP or or your health insurer or both, which would then spark an outbound call to say to you, something doesn't look quite right here. Uh, Can you get yourself into the the surgery or or into a hospital as soon as possible? I I think that's just a a matter of time before that type of thing starts happening. Yeah, I think um, Apple Watches actually, um, if your heart rate goes above a certain level, do tell you to go to the GP or the hospital. I think that happens yeah. at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, I believe so. I'm not aware of myself, but I believe that, uh, that's the case. While we're on kind of tech, um, I was listening to uh, the deputy medical officer at, at Vitality last week at our summit, and she was talking about Alexa being used and, and voice technology being used in health and well-being. Have you come across that? I've read about it, and I, th- I think where I believe it's going to be particularly useful is identifying mental health conditions, because it can be a, a great reader of, of people's moods and, and flag up potential mental health warnings. We all know how big an issue mental health is 
in in our uh, society nowadays. So I think that would be a great advancement if that could happen. How do you see that happening then? I'm not quite sure, Dave, to be honest with you. I think if, um, again, probably a similar type of approach to what we see with wearable technology in as much as we're assuming that most people nowadays will have Alexa in their home and will be using it a few times a day and it will be clever enough just to detect any subtle changes in your, your tone of voice and pick up mood swings and so on. That's quite interesting and, and a little bit yes. frightening, actually. Actually, I just, I just mentioned, <laughs> I just mentioned the word, and it came on mine. I said, <laughs> it started asking me a question. Just changing tack slightly, I had experience of saliva testing relatively recently, looking at my genetics, and a report came back, and it was really interesting, kind of highlighting some things in, in you know, my body that I wasn't aware of, but some things that I was. I believe it's called precision medicine. What are, what are your thoughts on that and how that could work in future? Because my understanding is that this kind of stuff could, for example, if I went to the doctor and, and started talking about mental health and they prescribed me some tablets and they, I went back in a few months' time and didn't work and they prescribed me for some others and I kept going into trial and error, it might be okay first, but this will kind of say, right, okay, the, the medicine that works for you, Dave, is, is this and they'll give me something straight away. Is that kind of your understanding and what do you think of that? Yes, and I, I think that's very much the uh, the direction of travel. I, I was speaking to um, our deputy group medical director the other day, Dr. Luke James. Some of our listeners here will, will know of Luke from uh, uh, Pupils Health Insights webinars that, that we carry out. And he, he said a couple of things on the subject. And one was that the future of medicines will be driven by data and analytics uh, which goes back to what I was saying earlier. The other one was that, that he said um, advances in technology, biology, genomics, and precision medicine, that phrase that you use, will revolutionise our understanding and approach to health. And I think what that will really do is, is continue the trend towards personalised healthcare. And as I said earlier, it's supported by ever-increasing use of data. So I think that is definitely the direction to travel there. So you'd be targeting certain drugs for, for basically your DNA and your genetics? Yes. So that's the whole idea of personalised healthcare, isn't it? That we'd be able to make a better diagnosis first time round and get you on the right drug rather than it be a bit of trial and error, as it can sometimes be nowadays. And at, at Bupa, what kind of research uh, are you guys doing in terms of the future of technology and, and who are you working with and and how's it going? Yeah, we don't really um, work with with any particular organisations. It's, it's more about what they call clinical horizon scanning. And we, we have a team of uh, experts within our, our whole medical division who whose job is to look out there and see what's going on right across the globe, actually. And we're very fortunate there that we're a a global organisation. So uh, our Spanish business, Sanitas, for example, also uh, owns hospitals in Spain, which gives us another insight into what's going on in terms of the, the developing use of technology. And all that's fed back in, and these guys are constantly updating the, the medical directors and, and relevant people about what's out there, what's interesting, 
what we should be looking more at and, and what's maybe something to park for now, but, but keep an eye on for the future. When you've been looking into that yourself, you mentioned what's interesting. What, what kind of really interests you right now? I think I think what's going to be used for preventative health and, and optimised well-being in, in our world nowadays, as you know, we talk less and less about private medical insurance and we talk more about well-being, particularly um, workplace well-being. So, uh, so my interest there is is what you would expect. What sort of data can we be gathering? that's going to generate, uh, that, that would be generated from smartphones, apps and wearables. And how do we how do we collect that and use it correctly to, to really advance this whole subject of, of personalised healthcare? I, I think we'll see massive advances on that whole subject. That's going to be, that's going to be a, almost a household phrase, I think, in the next few years, certainly within our industry. The, the phrase personalised healthcare? Personalised healthcare, yeah. On, the, on that basis, we obviously I mentioned right at the start that we got used to testing at home. I remember when I got COVID, actually, I had to drive to uh, a testing centre when I was really poorly and uh, got tested. And by the time I got test results back, I was better, but then had to <laughs> isolate for 14 days. Now, of course, we can test and get the results straight away. So what, what do you think's next on the, the home testing front? Home testing front. I think probably what's as well a personal opinion, but I th- I think the DNA type of uh, testing is going to become more and more prevalent. And again, it all it all supports this this whole thing about optimised healthcare and and personalised healthcare. I think the cost of uh, that, those type of tests, which w- which will be able to identify if you're allergic to certain food types, for example. Uh, and that's one that, that I've had personal experience of with my my partner, who's just recently done some tests and got back a, a report that says you shouldn't be eating X, Y, and Z, and that that's massively improved her her own health in, in terms of um, gastrointestinal subjects. So I I would see that as being something as cost comes down on it that we'll see a lot more of going forward. Yeah, I've I've seen some blood testing at home actually, and and that helps uh, in terms of your diagnostic for for various conditions as well. So uh, I've kind of watched this space because we've kind of moved on really quickly, haven't we, over the last over the last couple of years? Yeah, and I think that's the, the thing. Things are moving at, at such a pace as as I said earlier. We're we're only limited by almost our own imaginations uh, as to what could happen next. You know, if you think back ten years ago. Would we have predicted we would be where we were today? Probably not, you know. So it's 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 quite uh, it's quite difficult to imagine where we'll be in ten years' time. I think. Yeah, Maybe prob- that's just prob- me. probably two or three rather than ten. Um, can we, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can we touch on on, on workplace well-being uh, and you know particularly mental health, which is top of most people's agenda? Um, what can we bring into the workplace in terms of advances in tech to 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 prevent and and also to to treat? Probably more more screening, I think, in the um, in the workplace. Uh, I mean, we've we've obviously got a mounting mental health crisis in the in the UK, and, and not just the the UK, but I I think you know possibly what you could see would be you become a member of a, a group health scheme. 
and then you're you're um you know you're given technology and and wearables that that will monitor your mood and your emotional well-being and i've read about things like uh, artificial intelligence powered chatbots and mental health apps uh, which would uh, be there for for employees to support and and actually help prevent episodes of of poor mental health in future and i and i think that that's a very interesting and, and uh, relevant point is that um, we're moving more and more towards prevention rather than cure and, and mental health's probably a subject where we could do that quite successfully, I would have thought. So you see us kind of completing some kind of uh, online app and then that kind of looking at your mood and then feeding back to you that you need to do something about it? Is that what you're talking about? Possibly not even an app, but, but it being picked up through a wearable again. I think reading one of the articles that my, my horizon scanning colleagues uh, gave me, they, they think there'll be a, a, a shift towards supporting individuals' energy levels and, and boosting uh, their moods through mood management or, or mood care. And uh, I think they think that's going to be a, a, a more longer term tangible and, and, and relatable subject to users over the likes of mindfulness, yeah. which is, has had a lot of attention, but it's been diluted a lot largely by being used out of context. So how would a wearable detect mood? Now, you know, you're asking a, a non-medical person that question, but I would imagine it would be something to do with monitoring uh, heart and pulse rates. Okay. Yeah, I kind of I remember actually we had a health screen in in a previous role and uh, they were monitoring heart rates and it is quite amazing what happens when you don't think it's happening. For exact for example, yeah. you know, they put the heart rate uh, monitor on us and uh, it was you were going to speak next in 30 seconds and 30 seconds before your heart rate jumped to a, an unacceptable level actually and then the, it was okay, well how can I get it down again? So uh, that was quite an interesting exercise. Yeah, and if you think of the amount of times I, I've per, been to a GP and and so just take your blood pressure and they say, "Wow, your blood pressure is a bit high," but you you know you don't feel any different to how you did yesterday when it was at a normal level. Yeah. So I think that you're absolutely right there, Dave. Yeah. So going back in, into to the workplace, we mentioned we talked about the, the measuring the moods. How do you think that that can be fed back to an employer without? breaking all the kind of data protection issues that we've all got. Yeah, yeah, that, that's going to be a big challenge moving forward. I don't think we'll ever be able to say dual blogs and the parking department's got an issue. I think it's it, it will have to be um, aggregated up and, and possibly um, there would be reports generated on, on certain areas, divisions of your business that would tell you what was going on there. So, so that's where personalised gets diluted a little bit, I think. Um, but but um, who knows what what can happen in future? Possibly we'll be asking people to to sign things that that allow access to to that sort of data. I don't know. So my final question to you today, Ian, is uh, if you had a magic wand, what would you bring into the workplace? And same question in terms of your personal life friends, family, in terms of technology and health and well-being? Yeah, I think the, the personal one, I, I would I mentioned I was type 2 diabetic, I think, earlier. So I, if I had a magic wand, I'd, I'd find 
a pill that I could take that allowed me to absolutely eat what I wanted <laughs> <laughs> rather than have to control my diet. Although I do feel better as a result of of controlling my diet. I think I think in the workplace, probably something that just increases people's awareness right across the board of, of looking after their own well-being. I, I think we've made big, big strides in that in the last five or five or ten years when, when you know the phrase workplace well-being now is far, far more commonly used than it was in the past. But I think there are still big, big pockets of people who probably don't look after their health as much as they should and, and maybe don't even realise that that they should be. So so if, if I could ma- wave a magic wand, it would be to really increase people's awareness of the benefits of, of looking after their own health and helping them to live healthier, happier lives, if I can use a, a beautiful phrase there to finish off. Yeah, good good plug and well-deserved. <laughs> I mean, what you said there on, on the mood swings and, and the the wearables detecting that has really kind of struck a chord with me. You know, if I was notified that I was, obviously I should know I'm feeling in a particular state, but if I didn't quite realise I was dipping and I was notified to Dave, get up and go for a walk or Dave, phone a friend or Dave, you actually need to go to the GP. That That's quite a powerful message, a call to action, isn't it? It is. It is. I actually have a, an app on a free app on my phone which tell, tells me to stand up every thirty minutes, right. which I, I discovered not long after the first lockdown, and and it's it's a great thing. It, so every it just pings me every 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 thirty minutes during the workday, and says stand up, and and you stand up for two minutes, and then it pings you again telling you you can sit back down because even something like that can make a, a massive difference to you, particularly on. MSK subject. Well, exactly. I'm physically, you know, bending over and yeah, you get pain yeah. in the neck and the back. Don't you? Okay, Ian, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Hope everybody who's listened has enjoyed this. Part our future podcasts, uh, please look out for them. They'll be on the normal channels, Apple, Spotify, and we will upload them onto the Amy website for members as well. Again, just leaves me to thank Ian for. Uh, coming on board today and uh, thank you all for listening.